I would figure most of us know something or have heard of Barnabas. But before we get to him, uh, let's... Let, let's start a little bit earlier. So Barnabas, I'll preface it with this. Barnabas was known for bringing more into the fold of God. And we'll explain that. And we'll see how, how we can apply that to our own life. But let's, let's, let's start back a little bit farther about going and getting another. We, we understand that. In John 1, in John chapter number 1, we find that Philip went and found Nathaniel. Right, John 1 and verse number 44. Now Philip was, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Oh, wouldn't we all wanted to come and see Jesus Christ? And Philip introduced Nathanael into Jesus Christ and who he was. And, and Jesus had great things to say about Nathanael. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And Philip introduced Nathanael. I think of the maniac of Gadara in Luke 8. You, you understand that story and how Jesus did such a great uh, work in his life. And that that sane man now who does right mind he said Jesus let me come with you right we all would have wanted to go with Jesus Christ and Jesus said no return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee and he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him verse number 40 and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned returned back to where that man went the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him Think about this. The maniac Gadara did, did what Jesus Christ said. And when Jesus came back to that area, there was a host of people waiting on Christ to hear him. Oh, man. Going and getting another. The woman at the well. I like that one in John chapter number four. You know that. And it talks about how. And Jesus Christ, uh, he told her about the living water. And man, this woman's life was changed. In verse number 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that, I, that ever I did. Uh, we understand the command to go and tell another, do we not? I would say that that's a command that we all are lazy on many times. We understand it. We know it's important. We know we're supposed to go on the highways and hedges and compel uh, them to come in, that my house may be full. Right? Well, that's what we're trying to endeavor through the Lord's help and through the Lord's wor- word through the John and Romans project, right? The gospel project. Let's, tr- let's go out and reach someone. It's just us being vessels in God's word through his spirit doing the work. Jesus Christ spoke about the lost sheep. In Luke 15, and verse number 3, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." 
Those are some good examples about going and finding another. And I love the illustration that Christ used about uh, the parable of the sheep being brought into the fold. So we have to ask ourselves our question because only one step of the Great Commission is going and telling. Now it's trying to see them baptized and growing, right? Those two parts of it. It's not just going out, but also when they come in. And so you have to ask ourselves our question. So when they come in or when we go find them, now what are we supposed to do? That's a question that should be asked, right? When one is brought in or one just comes in, what are we to do? Church, what are we supposed to do? I mean, we're telling the, the, the whole community, hey, show me the way. We want to show them the way. But when they come, what are we doing? How are we helping them? And they get saved. How are they, we now bringing more into the fold? Not just seeing them saved, but brought in fellowship with other believers in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, Barnabas was that man. We find that Barnabas' life was a great example and it is so powerful. He was the example of bringing more into the fold. He had such a distinct quality about him that the apostles changed his name. Did they not? And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, there was something different about him. He had some qualities about him that, well, we're not going to call you that. We're going to call you Barnabas, the son of consolation or the son of comfort. There was something genuine about Barnabas that people could tell. He had a distinct quality about him. I want you to notice also in Acts 11. Look with me, please, in Acts 11. We'll be back and forth in Acts. Acts chapter number 11. We're talking about Barnabas, about his qualities. We're talking about him specifically before we talk about his actions. Not only did Barnabas possess a quality, and obviously he sold his land and gave it to the apostles and just gave his life unto the Lord to be used whatever the Lord would have. He was a son of comfort, the son of consolation. We find in Acts 11 and verse number 22, it says this, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad. And exhorted them all with the purpose of heart that they should cleave unto the Lord. Look at verse 24. For he, he being Barnabas, was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Not only did Barnabas possess a quality that was so distinct that the apostles uh, changed the name. But also Barnabas brought more into the fold because he was a good He was a Holy Spirit-filled man. He was a man full of faith. And because of his life, and because of his faith, and because of the Spirit that rested upon him, there were many added unto the Lord. We don't know how many. But it says, and much people was added unto the Lord. That could have been a lot. And so let's look at Barnabas, how he brought more people in the fold. If God would have... Lord willing, there'll be people that would come in, whether through re- receiving a John and Romans or whether receiving an invitation to come. Then once someone comes in the door, how are we supposed to respond? Because if we're not careful, we'll respond in the flesh and stay on our regular routine. 
which doesn't include a visitor or a guest or someone that is needy. So this, how did Barnabas bring more into the fold? When I say the fold, the fold, the church. Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving comfort to a new convert named Saul. Acts 9, please. Look there with me. Acts 9. It's hard for us to even wrap our minds around that Paul at some point, who we know him as, but he started out as Saul, that at one point he was a new convert. That he just got saved and he didn't quite know just everything yet. He didn't know all the church lingo yet. He knew a lot of religious lingo, but he wouldn't have known the church lingo of that day. And so... Saul had got saved. And when he got saved, if I could say it this way, he got all in. And he began to preach. And he began to do work for God. In in Acts 9, verse 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming and going out at Jerusalem. I do not give the church a hard time for this. For just a few chapters earlier, Saul stood at the martyr of Stephen. He they laid his clothes by Saul and he watched that. And he was trying to commit people to prison and to destroy the church. So I don't necessarily give them a hard time for that. But now Saul is saved. We know him as Paul, but now Saul is saved. He's been changed. The Spirit of God is in him. And now he's trying to do a work for God and he wants to join himself to the church. And the church immediately rejects him. True. But Barnabas, Barnabas came to his defense. He said, no, guys, hey, no, no, no. Hey, listen, he's going to come in with me. Hey, I heard him preach. Hey, I heard his salvation testimony. Hey, there's something different about this fellow. Hey, won't you come in with me? And he put his arm around Saul and brought him into the fold and then was with him going in and going out. Barnabas got out of his comfort zone to make Saul comfortable in the faith. Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving comfort to a new convert named Saul. Barnabas, in Acts chapter number 11, brought more into the fold by seeking out Saul. I can't give you the exact... um, Goings about where Saul was at, what Saul was doing. But we know that after a good amount of people were added to the Lord in Antioch, that then in verse number 25, Acts eleven twenty-five, then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. The same very place that he was just preaching, he went to find Saul and brought him back. And there they spent about a whole year together working for the Lord. Not only did Barnabas put his arm around Saul and said, hey, listen, you can come into the church with me. I'll stand to his defense. I understand. I hear his salvation testimony. I get that he was a rough man, but hey, God has delivered him. 
And so now he's coming in, and not only is he going to come in with me, I'm going to go seek him out when he's somewhere else. And I'm going to bring him back, and we're going to work for the Lord together. Barnabas was continual comfort. We're good with short, short burst. A service, maybe two, but are we good in a continual way in which we are continual comfort to a guest or continual comfort to a visitor or continual comfort to someone who has just been getting into church? Are we continually discipling that person? I'm afraid that we think that discipleship is an hour on Sunday, but yet it is a lifestyle which the Christians should have within them. Barnabas continued in discipleship. How long? Right here, a year. A year with Barnabas and Saul. A year together. There and so much that there in the Antioch, that's where they were first called Christians. Acts 13. So Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving comfort to a new convert named Saul. Barnabas brought more into the fold by seeking out Saul. Sometimes we'll have to go looking for someone. Not, not to beat him up. That's, not, that's what that sounded like. Hey, we're going to go looking for you. No, no. Hey, listen, friend. That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes we we'll have to go looking for someone and say, hey, I missed you. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Hey, why don't you come to church? We'll, we'll go get some dinner together and spend some time after Sunday morning service. And you pick up the dime. Say, hey, let's just spend some time together. Say, that's not true discipleship. No, you're sure showing them the love of God. Yes, sir. Barnabas was with him. Barnabas brought more into the fold. I want you to get this. I don't want to pass over you. Barnabas brought more into the fold by allowing Saul to grow into Paul. Acts 13.2 And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said... Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And obviously, Barnabas and Saul were close. So they had worked together at least for a year and probably longer. Barnabas was the first contact at the church of Jerusalem that put his arms around Saul and brought him into the fold and was with him in the goings and goings out. And then he went and found him at Tarshish and said, Hey, Saul, you've got to come back. God is doing work in Antioch. And they spent a whole year together. And God did a great work. And now they, they were together and they were praying and they were fasting. God said, Hey, I want you to take Barnabas and Saul and I want you to separate them. And I have a work for them to do. Barnabas and Saul right here in Acts 13 too. That's the last time you'll see that order. Last time you'll see that order. In Acts 13, 9 it says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Now, at this moment, where we will begin to know Saul as Paul. And then in Acts 13, 46, there's a change here. There's a change here in Acts 13, 46. It says this, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. I don't want you to miss this. Barnabas was so interested in seeing Saul become something that when God did a work in Saul in so much that it elevated him above himself, he was okay with that. Every time after this instance... It was always Paul and Barnabas before it was Barnabas and Saul. But God had did such a great work. And Saul, now he changed his name. It was Paul and Barnabas was okay. 
For God to use Paul in such a great way that we would call he began to play second fiddle. He was okay with that. For God did a great work. Barnabas let Paul become what God wanted without stunting his growth because of personal jealousy or feelings of inadequacy. Think about that. Our job is not just to see someone discipled to our level, but seeing the disciple to Christ's level. Sometimes we're going to have to help push them and we'll begin to walk behind them as God does a great work in them. Barnabas brought more into the fold by allowing Saul to grow into Paul. We find this, Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving himself to help restore a failed Christian. In Acts chapter 12, and verse number 5, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, um, Acts 12, 25 It says this, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now John Mark, we know of him. We'll talk a little bit more in just a minute about him. But uh, John Mark was evidently younger. Uh, his, His mom's home was the place in which Rhoda had to be a junior hire, heard Peter knocking outside the gate, and ran in to tell everybody it was Peter and didn't let Peter in. You remember that? Had to be a junior hire. Oh, it's, it's Peter. And they forgot to let him in, right? So evidently, his, he came from a, a godly home. You follow what I'm saying? He came from a godly home. His, they were having a prayer meeting at his house for Peter, and God delivered Peter and showed up at their house. And so Barnabas and Saul said, hey, let's take him. So they took John Mark. John Mark didn't make it. He quit. He quit in the middle. He failed. We all know Christians like that, do we not? It's not that they're just bad, they just quit. Slow down. Put it in neutral, whatever you want to call it. They are not becoming what God wants them to be. We find here that Barnabas was in such was uh, the embodiment of the son of comfort so much that he was willing to put his neck on the line for a failed Christian. It says in Acts 15 and verse number 37, And Barnabas determined to take with them, them being Paul and Barnabas, in verse number 36, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas. At this point, we understand that Paul was strong on his own. Paul did not need disciples anymore. Paul needed to go and begin to disciple someone else. He did not need Barnabas for that. He needed Barnabas for companionship, but he did not need him for uh, spiritual leadership. So Paul was strong on his own. But Barnabas, knowing who John Mark was, he so desired that, that he would be discipled and he would be restored. If we're not careful, we as Christians will see that Okay, someone's come back and then we want to point our finger at them and say, Hey, why'd you leave in the first place? Hey, you're, you're a yahoo. Can I use that word? You understand what that means? I got called that all growing up. <laughs> I know what it means. And what are you doing? 
We want to, we, instead of restoring them, we want to fillet them to make ourselves feel better that we were right. But that was not Barnabas's way. Barnabas was on the same trip with Paul when John Mark left. And yet Barnabas stuck his neck on the line again. Now it wasn't for Saul, because now Saul is Paul and he's on his own. He's beginning to disciple someone like Silas and, and, and Timothy and Titus and all of that. And now Barnabas starts over again and says, Hey, John Mark, won't you come with me? And let's go together. Say, did it work? Yeah, it worked. This is how much Barnabas was an impact on John Mark. In so much that Paul later said, Paul did not want to take him. Those two men had a meeting of the minds. And they agreed to disagree. And they both took someone else and went separate ways to encourage the church. But Paul, Paul said this later in his last letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.11 says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. That wasn't because John Mark just happened to get it. No, that was because Barnabas brought him back into the fold after he left. Said, hey, let's do this again. Hey, won't you walk with me again? And that time, God did a great work in Mark. Not only was he profitable to Paul, but also in so much that God used John Mark to write one of the four Gospels. Have you thought about it this way? We are benefiting today from Barnabas bringing more into the fold. We today are benefiting from that. Because we hold to the gospel of Mark and we thank the Lord for God using him in such a way that was because someone, the son of consolation who was Barnabas, put his arm around him and said, hey, let's go together. Hey, let's go together. And he saw him restored Bringing more into the fold. I heard this saying from a wise man of God. He said, if we are faithful to, to reach the ones we can, God will send the ones we could never reach. Just think about that. We're trying to reach our city. We're trying to reach the ones that are here, the ones that come in. We're trying to spread the gospel, trying to disciple, and God will continue to send more. And we will, through the help of God, have new folks in Christ. And have, have people that are returning that have quit. And now they're returning back. And so now our job is, are we going to be like Barnabas? Or are we going to live in the flesh? Are we going to see a new convert in Christ? Are we going to put our arm around and say, hey, listen, I'm so glad you're here. Won't you come to my Sunday school class? Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, won't you, let's get a bite to eat. And hey, won't you come sit with me? Hey, let's just come in. We see someone that has returned from running their own paths. And they come in and say, hey, oh, we're so glad you're here. And hug their neck and say, hey, let's do this together. We want you here. I'm afraid too many times we... We want that, but we don't act on that. We would want someone to do that for our own child, but we're not necessarily willing to do it for someone else's child. We must get out of our comfort zone to be a comfort and help to someone else. It's easy, church, to get comfortable. And it's easy to want to fellowship who you want to fellowship with all the time. I understand that. Sometimes we just get along with people. I understand. I'm not, I'm not degrading that. But I'm saying when, 
there are folks that are coming in from outside or folks that had left the fold. Now they're coming back. It is our time, church, to step up and be the light of Christ in their life and be the Barnabas and speak on their behalf and share some scripture with them. Also with that, if we want to help someone else, we must be good, holy, full of faith people. We cannot do the work of God in the flesh. We can do our work in the flesh, but we can't do the work of God in the flesh. So if we want to see someone uh, transformed by the power of God, we must. We must be a Holy Ghost, faith-filled person. If not, we must heed the warning that Paul put in Galatians 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What is Paul saying? Hey, listen, if someone is struggling and they're wanting to come back and we're trying to restore them, we have to be spiritually strong so we don't fall in the same mess that they're in. We've got to be good, holy, full of faith people. We must not limit discipleship to an hour on Sundays. I think sometimes we have a wrong idea of discipleship, and I am for biblical doctrine teaching. I'm for that. We'll not stop that. We'll continue that and add more to that. But sometimes discipleship takes on different forms. Sometimes it's a lunch and sharing what God has done in your life. Sometimes it's just calling and saying, how are you doing? Hey, sometimes it's just having them sit beside you. Hey, I was thinking of you. Or it's a note. Sometimes discipleship is further than just giving doctrine, it is expressing the love of God in us to them. We must not limit discipleship to an hour on Sundays. We must go and seek them. Not in an angry spirit, but in a true and godly spirit. What does Paul say? I believe it's in the book of Romans. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Doesn't you know what he says? Amen. Well, we want to be angry about it and hope they repent. And we must restore fallen Christians. Bringing more in the fold. I would say everybody in here would say, yeah, I'd love to see our church grow. We'd love to see more people saved. We'd love to see more people baptized. We'd love to see more people's lives changed like God changed ours. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see more people changed and their families changed and their family tree changed just because someone put their arms around and said, hey, let me be your Barnabas for a little while. Bringing more into the fold. The growth, well, that's up to God, but we've got to do what he's asked us to do. Barnabas brought more into the fold because he was a good, holy, full of faith man. Are you, is that you? Could you attach that to your life? Could you say, I'm a Holy Ghost filled, faithful believer of God? Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving comfort to a new convert. Not just being friendly, but being a friend. A difference. It's a difference. Barnabas brought more into the fold by seeking out Saul. Sometimes we have to go looking for him. Barnabas brought more into the fold by allowing Saul to go grow into Paul. And Barnabas brought more into the fold by giving himself to help restore a failed Christian. 
I do believe there are people saying, show me the way. It's not in me and it's not in you, it's in Christ. We understand that. That's why we're giving them the gospel, not a pamphlet about ourselves. But when they get here, we show them the way to a Christian life. Amen. Not just show them to Christ, but let, I want to show you what Christ can do in your life. That's a full rounded idea of discipleship. Sometimes that's going to be someone that's been in here a while. Man, we'll just put our arm around. I'm so glad you're here. Is there anything I do for you? Hey, won't you, you got time? Let's have dinner. What I'm saying, church, when they get here, we're going to go invite them. And God allows them to come in here. What are we doing as a church to see that specific person grow for Christ? Teenagers, what are you doing? When a new teen comes in, are they shunned? Are they made to fight their way in? Or is your arm put around and say, hey, why don't you come sit by me? We want to just show the teens, but it's not the teens, it's the adults too. It's all of us together. We adults can just get into our, our set ways just as they can. But let us get out of our comfort zone to reach someone for God. Heavenly Father, we sure do need you. Jesus made each star in heaven. He created earth and sea. He's the keeper of all knowledge. What is past and what will be. Yet he offers his great wisdom. So you shows you can know his will each day trust his word trust his word all God's promises are true trust his word when your pathway when your joy gives way to tears when you're plagued by doubts and fears trust his word he is not a distant stranger he can be your closest friend and he'll always listen closely when you share your heart with him jesus walks the path beside you he has been there all along and he'll guide your feet when your step is weak and your strength is almost gone. Trust his word, trust his word. All God's promises are true. Trust his word. When your pathway disappears, 
joy gives way to tears when you're plagued by doubts and fears trust his word trust his word